everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Female Film Critics Panel. And uh, I love doing this show every month. And today we are talking with film critic and writer Fiona Underhill is here. And thank you so much, Fiona, for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So what we'd like to do is give you a chance to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, your how you grew to fall in love with film. What's one of your earliest memories of uh, film? Well, I'll just quickly explain who I am, first of all. Yes. So I'm um, I'm British, which you might be able to hear. Um, so I moved to the US six years ago in 2016. Um, in the UK, I was a teacher for 10 years. So I taught English, drama, and as well as media studies and film studies. <clears throat> and since I've been in the US, I've been um, a freelance film critic and writer, mainly working for a, a website called Jump Cut, which we might talk about a bit more later, I'm not sure. Um, and now I, I'm a news writer for the Dig Digital Fix, and I also write for Slash Film and a few other places. Um, and yeah, I have been a film lover all of my life. I grew, grew up watching movies in the 80s because I'm that old. Um, so I have lots of, sort of <laughs> lots of childhood classics from the 80s that I'm sure a lot of people remember and relate to things like um, Goonies and Gremlins, watching all those kind of classics and obviously Star Wars, Indiana Jones, that kind of thing growing up. Do you um, remember the first movie you went to? At the cinema, the first thing I went to was The Black Cauldron, which is yeah. a Disney oh, movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm Notorious. surprised I'm surprised it didn't put me off for life because it's <laughs> um it's actually a really scary film. I mean, yeah. it didn't it this is in the dark days of Disney. It, yeah. It's not like one of their obviously their better movies. Um, but it's really kind of creepy and scary mm -hmm. for a small child. Yeah, I can see um, that. The, 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 the Horn King. Yeah. And a, another kind of traumatic early cinema memory I have is of E.T. I think it was a re-release. Oh, yeah. um, and I remember my cousin being dragged out of E.T. because he was sobbing so hard <laughs> and kind of causing a scene <laughs> because he was so yeah. upset about E.T. I think E.T. did that for a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that scene when he's like screaming and you're, you're killing him, you're killing him. It's, the, it's brutal. Yeah. Definitely traumatic. Yeah. But um, yeah, most of my film kind of, my love for film really developed through television. So at home watching um, classic movies, my stepdad and my mom are both into um, film my stepdad watched a lot of westerns which aren't oh. my favorite but um they did watch a lot of old film and the, especially at the weekends on on British TV like the afternoon Saturday and Sunday afternoons there'd be a lot of older films on mm. so that's kind of where my my love developed for sort of classic Hollywood and as well what films did your mom love she, like me, we've got quite similar tastes. So um, we both love Paul Newman. Nice. <laughs> so she, I do have to credit her for sort of getting me into some of the older Hollywood stars, Robert Redford as well, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and we also both love period dramas. So um, I 
grew up with things like Merchant Ivory films and other kind of uh, yes. period films from the 80s and 90s. Um, we, we both really, really love those. Yeah, I love those too. My parents are not big movie people, but they were good about encouraging conversation. My mom, you know, would say that she didn't want us mindlessly consuming. <laughs> she wanted us to think about it. And my mom was more of a reader, is more of a reader than a media movie or TV. Uh, but, you know, my dad will watch sports occasionally, but uh, he's not, there's no like real shows or movies that he's like into. Although they bought this second home in uh, in Southern Utah and there's uh, this tiny little two screen movie theater next to their house. And oh. so <laughs> my dad has been going to see more things and he, he'll like call me up and be like, what do you think? Should I see uh, I don't know, Top Gun Maverick or something like that? And I'm like, I, I, <laughs> he asked me if he should see uh avatar and i was like well first of all you should see it on the second avatar obviously but you should see it on in an imax you shouldn't see it on yeah. this tiny little screen <laughs> see it on a big screen if you can <laughs> yeah and then second of all i was like do you understand that this is over three and a half hours and he's like what <laughs> yeah people have to be prepared for that yeah you have to know what you're getting into and I'm like you haven't even seen the first one <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah he's they're they're not that big of movie people which is funny because I'm you know I, I've become a film critic and my brother uh did some uh some uh videography and and did a, a short and other things like that He's now, he has a business that he runs, but he has a love for film as well. And I mean, all, all of their kids are way more into just into at least watching movies than they are. So I don't know where that all came from, <laughs> but they were good about encouraging conversation and asking questions and talking about it. And I remember when I've told a story a bunch of times on here, but, uh, when I was in college, I, we went and saw Chocolat and I, with my friends and I didn't like it. And I haven't seen it since then, but I don't, and I don't even really remember why I didn't like it, but uh, I was all, you know, spouting off to my friends about, oh, I didn't like the way they did this and the way, the way they did this. And one of my friends, she's like, Rachel, we just wanted to watch the movie. And I was so shocked. Yeah. It's like, you mean you don't want to dissect it and talk about it from all <laughs> angles? <laughs> what? And I realized that not every family is like my family. <laughs> Yeah, yeah no, um, just... uh, college is where I started going to see films in the cinema by myself. Yeah, like I had friends and I had right. like roommates and everything, but um, it is when I kind of started to realize that if I wanted to see certain things, uh, mm -hmm. like that probably most people aren't that interested in, that I just had to start going by myself. And yeah. it's you know, I, yeah. I the vast majority of the time that I go to the cinema is by myself now, Same. and it's completely normal to me. Yeah. And, you know, preferred really, because it's like, I don't really understand why people see it as a social thing when you're sitting, yeah. watching something and you're not supposed to be talking anyway. So sometimes I love going with friends, like my friend, Jen, she's one of my favorites to go to a movie with. And we have this like great discussion afterwards. We talk about it. And so I really enjoy that. But other times I kind of just want to make sure it's my own opinion and yeah. just me. It depends. Yeah, I definitely get that. You know, yeah. And they did have in my 
college, they had the, um, they, they had a foreign language cinema. Now they probably call it international cinema, whatever, but, um, uh, where they played, uh, films that had been nominated for the foreign, uh, foreign film of the Oscars or things like that. And, uh, so that was some of my first, like really indie mm. films you know, that I watched or like uh, more obscure that nobody would that. And so that was fun that they did that at my college. Yeah. 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 And are you a fan of Rachel's reviews? Do you look forward to family movie night, female film critics panels, or the talking Disney podcast? If so, please consider supporting the podcast by becoming a patron as a patron, you get to access monthly events such as the watch alongs and Q and A's where you get to talk to stars and find out the behind the scenes of the movie making industry. And you can pick what I review for family movie night, or even become a guest on the podcast podcasts and YouTube channels are expensive. And I really, really could use your help. I would so appreciate it. You also get to be a member of the Facebook group where we talk about all the films that we're seeing and we have so much fun. Go to patreon.com slash hallmarkies and select one of the Rachel's fan tiers. That's patreon.com slash hallmarkies. I, my mom was, was into uh, like international film as well. So again, um, we had, where I'm from in the UK, there was a university quite nearby and they had mm-hmm. an, an art centre and they'd play, um, that's usually where the foreign language films were playing. Um, and I remember she loved things like the Three Colours trilogy. And oh, um, yeah. Um, yeah, so she got me into into foreign language film, particularly mm-hmm. French at the time. Yes. Um, uh, so, yeah, I do owe, owe a lot of that to her. Well, that's where I'd watch things like the Umbrellas of Sherbeau. I have a very strong memory of watching uh, at, the, uh, at that cinema, watching the Umbrellas of Sherbeau and just being like, it's so good. <laughs> so it's, beautiful. It's good they showed something that old. It wasn't yeah, just a new thing. Right. And I, I saw Babette's Feast, I remember there. That's a favorite one I love. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that was a good experience. Another formative movie for me uh, was I watched Hoop Dreams in high school. And I had never I had never really spent any time in a, in a big city. I was in, you know, the small town. I just, I had never spent any time with characters like the people that were documented in the, in the, the two, the two basketball players or their family. And it just, I think I had just as a young person, I had, you know, ideas about, uh, and, and I, I watched the movie and I just realized, wow, these people are like, especially, uh, Arthur Aggie's uh, mother when she gets mm-hmm. her nursing degree. And I just remember just crying and thinking it was amazing. Uh, and so that was one that really changed not only like my ideas of what a movie could be, but just literally what I thought about people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a, you know, young teenager, mm-hmm. uh, that was definitely very influ- influential for me. And uh, of course I've always been a big lover of animation and I've always been a big lover of musicals mm. even to this day I'm a sucker <laughs> oh yeah I love musicals too um 
I mean, I, I was fortunate to go to the theatre quite a lot when I was quite young as well. So, yeah, I do. I do love um, I live where I'm from in the UK. It's very close to the RSC. So the Royal Shakespeare Company. So I'd go and see Shakespeare plays, but then also go to Birmingham or London mm-hmm. for musicals as well with my grandmother. Oh, so fun. But, yeah, um, I went my first musical that I ever saw on Broadway. Well, first musical that I ever saw was in San Francisco. I saw Phantom of the Opera with my grandma. My grandma had given me the best of Andrew Lloyd Webber cassette tape. <laughs> and I listened to that nonstop. And uh, and then we went and saw Fan of the Opera in San Francisco and it was, uh, blew me away with the, mm. uh, especially the, the introduction with the uh, chandelier. Really mm-hmm. great. Uh, and then, but the first musical I ever saw on Broadway was uh, with my, I, I grew up in Maryland and, uh, and my um, choir did a like competition or something like that in New York, in New York city. And we went up there and we got the choice of whether he'd go to cats or go to Les Mis. <laughs> I, hope you, I hope you made the right choice. I chose Les Mis, of course. <laughs> and uh, I was pretty obsessed with it at the time. The um, 10 year uh, concert had yeah. just come out. Les Mis was one of my first ever musicals yeah. that I saw as well. And uh, it's so the fact that it kind of lived up to those high expectations is pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so that in uh, the Disney Renaissance was very influential on me, particularly The Little Mermaid. I think that was the first movie that I ever really fell in love with. Mm. The songs, the I remember animation. Be- Beauty and the Beast. I remember yeah. that being such a big deal because I was. 15 I think when it came out mm-hmm. and I remember this thing with like my friends and we're all kind of like oh we're, we're too old for Disney movies now <laughs> but then like people were starting to talk about it and saying oh you know and they were starting to be kind of buzz about it and the fact that it was nominated for like best picture at the Oscars and stuff yeah and and then like a few of us <sighs> were like oh shall we go and see it and I remember just people being like oh are we actually gonna go and see like an animated movie at the um at the cinema but yeah we all went to see Beauty and the Beast and then with Toy Story coming out that was also such a massive massive deal because obviously it being so innovative as this new computer generated animation yeah that was Toy Story was when I was uh 14 when it came out in 95 and uh yeah that definitely was a game changer still one of my favorite movies I love the original Toy Story I think it's yeah so I can remember the experience of going to see that like mm-hmm. with friends quite clearly and us all talking about it yeah. being excited about it yeah yeah that would definitely be a foundation film another one for me that the first well I, Home Alone was the first comedy that I ever really loved I saw <laughs> it with my grandparents and uh, I was there visiting them for Christmas and I saw it with them and I just thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> um, but then another big one for me was Clueless mm. uh, that came out when I was a freshman in high school. And uh, it was just so like, so eye opening and uh, just, I felt like, oh, they really get high school. Mm. And it was so funny. I mean, when she <laughs> drives on the freeway for the first time yeah just still to this day I, I think it's hilarious <laughs> keep your hands on the steering wheel at all times 
I can relate to that now better because I've moved to Los Angeles and driving here is just like fraught with uh, with danger at all times. So I can oh, I can yeah. empathize with her. Yeah, I was uh, in LA in August and we rented a car and uh, the uh, we were going to this uh, the HCA uh, awards thing where we're going to present me and my my, uh, my friend and we got up to about a about I don't know 500 feet from the parking garage and the car stalled right in the middle of the road oh and we goodness. were like oh no what are we gonna do we're all in these nice clothes and everything and and uh anyway it ended up being quite the, the they we, they were like just leave it there just leave it there and go <laughs> to your event I'm like, okay <laughs> but but yeah uh LA's an interesting place but uh, so did you go to film school? Is that how you ended up becoming a teacher? No. Um, so I went to university. I did I did drama. So drama, theater studies was like my first love. And I thought like many young people, I thought I was going to be an actress. Uh-huh. But then I, I ended up mainly at, at university. It wasn't like a drama school. It was like a drama course at a university. Okay. And I ended up mainly doing the writing courses because I realized that I was a much better writer than actor. Mm. So I did like playwriting and dramaturgy, things like that. Um, then I um <clears throat> I left university and I went traveling and I worked for an arts arts organization for a little bit. And then I decided to do my teacher training. So I went to a different university for a year and did teacher training to become an English and drama teacher mm-hmm. um, at uh, its secondary school. So it's the equivalent of middle and high school combined. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, like I say, I mainly taught English, um, but then I did teach some drama. And then I got into, because obviously my main passion is obviously film and uh and media so get I did get into teaching because I kind of wangled my way in basically quite forcefully (laughs) into (laughs) teaching media studies and film studies because uh you know they are my main passions and um yeah I really loved it I still miss it to this day Mm -hmm. teaching film studies I mean these were high school kids so it's not the same as teaching at, at like college university level mm-hmm. but what? I did re- I did really like introducing teenagers to some older films and other films that they wouldn't have yeah. ever seen if you know if it hadn't been for me kind of suggesting things and even if it wasn't always the entire film but at least what gave them to watch clips of older things you know, I really love doing that. Yeah. So yeah, what were <clears throat> the big movies that you pushed on the kids? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did like a sort of introduction to film course. So that mm-hmm. was obviously, I was trying to get them to watch things like Metropolis and really trying to get them to understand <clears throat> that there's, you know, a hundred years of history and, and they, you know, most of them, like most kids have probably barely ever seen anything pre-1980 yeah so so anything I could show them really was uh was a bonus and in, in the introduction to film but then when I was teaching it more as like a proper course um there were a couple of topics so one of them was British horror and I really liked uh doing sort of hammer horror and introducing them to some 
cool like British. Dracula and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and British comedies as well. So again, trying to show them older things. Um, <clears throat> and then we we do a comparison comparison course as well, where where we'd um and I taught Rear Window with that Shia LaBeouf film. Oh. The kind of which is kind of like a remake. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. Was, What's that, that was called? Quite cool. Suburbia or something? Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. <clears throat> That's so funny. That, that was Yeah, my brother took a film class at the community at the community college of the local university. And I was so disappointed. Like most of the the films were just like really obscure, like just I don't know. They just felt like they were the favorites of the teacher, but really random and uh, okay. like, oh you have a chance to really introduce your class to film you know yeah. the whole history of film and that's, yeah I, I can't remember off the top of my head what any of them were but we're just like I've watched a lot of movies I've never even heard of most of these movies <laughs> that you're recommending I don't know but uh but yeah so you were teaching what how did you end up getting to the states so I'm here because of my husband's job. Oh, so okay. um, I had already decided to get out of teaching or to at least leave because I, I worked at the same school for 10 years and I uh-huh. decided to leave that job before we found out about moving here. Um, and I was kind of in a, a bit of a limbo of not knowing what I was going to do or where we were going to live. Um, and then my husband got offered the opportunity to come to LA for his job. He works in the computer games industry. So he came over to a studio. It was in Santa Monica initially, but now it's in the studio somewhere else. Um, And so that's how we ended up here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you had already kind of decided that you were going to, you were moving out of teaching even before that. Yes, I had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't ever think that, um, you know, but obviously it was a dream to sort of get back into writing that mm-hmm. that is my, you know, my first love. Yeah. Um, and I didn't think, you know, I would be able to do it re- realistically. Um, and then I found um, Jump Cut Online. So I, I'd, I'd started writing for them before we moved to the, to the US. Um, it's it's we were all just volunteers with jump cut so it wasn't a paid position mm-hmm. or anything we all did it just for the for the love of it the passion yeah. and I, I was lucky enough to be in a position where I didn't have to work um for a few years so I I took on a lot of the work to do with jump cut just because I I had the time so that's how I ended up being mm-hmm editor-in-chief at Jump Cut for a year but before that I'd, I'd contributed a lot of writing to that site um and so yeah we all just did it for the love of it mm-hmm. and then that led like it has quite a few people who who wrote for Jump Cut it has led to professional opportunities for quite a lot of us including me mm-hmm. and that's how I got my job my current job with the digital fix yeah you have a, a lot of uh, sites on your Twitter uh, bio. Uh, and so I was curious how you made connections with so many, you've got seven or eight of them on here. How, how did you do that? A lot of it is just via Twitter and via networking. So a lot of us, I think in the sort of film Twitter community who, um, 
which has a bit of a bad rep, but we, you know, we are quite, yeah. can be quite a supportive community. And yeah. Quite, uh, the, you know. Yeah. For the most part, my experience on Twitter has been pretty positive. I, same. I, I did have one point of cyberbullying uh, in, in uh, 2019, but that was more from YouTube than it was from Twitter, which right. YouTube is like the most toxic of any mm-hmm. of yeah. <laughs> <of> the sites. <laughs> but uh, but other than that, for the most part, I've met so many friends and uh, and been able to get so many connections. Like the whole that, like I was telling you about this um, awards thing, I was able to HCA awards. I was able to uh, present an awards my first time ever reading off a teleprompter so that was an adventure and uh and it was pretty cool to give um arcane which is a show that i love the best streaming streaming animated show mm-hmm. so that was fun mm-hmm. uh but yeah there's just been a lot of cool opportunities like that uh from the connections that you make uh online especially during the pandemic like we all yeah. needed it even more yeah, I mean, and I'm 5,000 miles away from my friends and family. Yeah. So Twitter's been a massive li- lifeline for me. So mm-hmm. my any friends that I've made in LA since I've been here, it's all been via Twitter. So mm-hmm. it's been en- like initiating things on Twitter and then meeting them in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's the same for, you know, any kind of freelance opportunities or professional opportunities, yeah. I would say, are pretty much all down to Twitter and just networking and friends of friends, that kind of thing. When you get a piece to write, do you normally pitch the ideas to the sites or do they come to you and say, hey, we want this? Uh, yeah, it's usually covered. pitching. I mean, I don't unfortunately have time, very much time anymore to pitch. And it's frustrating because there's things that come up. So, for example, I know we're going to get on to 2022 movies. So the Banshees of Inner Sheeran, for example, yeah. I have like a, a pitch related to that because that was my favourite movie of last year. And mm-hmm. I really, really loved it. And I, I really want to write about that, but it's just finding the time now because I yeah. like I I do kind of a a full day shift now during like the weekdays, and then I have a secondary gig with Slash Film, and so being to, you know doing freelance pitches, although I would like to do more and be able to write about yeah. things I'm really passionate about, I don't have as much time anymore. Right. But yeah, in the past, it's just been um thinking of pictures and and like many of us we just fire off an email and kind of hope for the best I mean I haven't done a lot of freelancing to be honest like most of my writing's been for a few particular sites and then the freelance opportunities have just been through look really um I mean mm-hmm. Nerdist I pitched um IndieWire has was them approaching me actually now jump cut it's closing right it is yeah it's so sad yeah so it's it's been running for well I've been with it for six years I think it was running for maybe a year before that um and it's yeah like I said because we're all kind of we're doing it on a voluntary basis and we were all giving up a lot of time to it it's just got to that point where there's no one who's able to give the the amount of time it needs anymore really and also just find that financially you know 
we we had a Patreon and we were trying to pay writers where we could, but it was just very, very limited in terms of how much money we could bring in and how much we could feasibly pay people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like like a lot of sites that are run by things like Patreon, you know, we just didn't have very much money, money at all. I mean, we literally, you know, we're, we're bringing, bringing in a pittance really. And yeah. like we, we were putting in the, like the sort of editorial team were putting in not just time but our own money as well to the site um so yeah I mean it was definitely a labor of love it was definitely a passion project for for those who were involved but Mm -hmm. just not sustainable unfortunately yeah well yeah they had a good run so that's Mm. that's good I know it's so hard and people just feel entitled. Like they, they get almost offended when you want to be paid for your work. Uh, or if something can't, I don't know, they expect everything for free, uh, <laughs> online, which is hard, but no, I mean, we, we were always very clear with people who, you know, we, we were lucky. We did have a big team of writers and we were just very honest and said, you know, if we, dec- we don't have any money, we can't afford to pay you, but there was you know some circumstances where we could pay for the odd thing here and there but it was it was like 10 pounds here 20 pounds there for a piece you know it really wasn't very much because we were we were just patreon funded and we didn't have any other source of income yeah well let's talk about 2022 movies so you said your favorite (laughs) yeah she's adventuring Mm -hmm. i struggled with that movie i have to be honest i just the the fingers <laughs> I think people I just didn't believe that he that. would do that I didn't believe mm-hmm. that he would cut his fingers off he's a violin player the whole reason he didn't want to the whole reason he cut off the friendship was because he wanted to play yeah. he wanted to write music so why would he do that it I just felt that was where I struggled. I did laugh quite a bit and I went back and forth. Should I go fresh? Should I go rotten? What, what do I think? Um, because I did think it was pretty funny, but yeah. I don't know. The, the, the fingers are hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really loved it. The reason I loved it so much is because it going back to me talking about what I studied at university mm-hmm. is that it's very, very much in the Irish theatrical tradition so it's really strongly influenced by uh, the theatre the playwrights of Ireland mm. and also the literature but but especially the theatre and that's Martin McDonough obviously has a background in the theatre and he's a playwright as well as a screenwriter mm-hmm. and it's just the humour is so Irish because I, I have Irish family as well I'm you know that's my background and the humour is just so 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 specifically Irish and the the darkness of it the 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 balancing of like all those tones and yeah the layers of like depression (laughs) with the humor and also even like the sort of the shock shock of kind of the finger thing as well it's just extremely Irish and that's what I loved about it (laughs) yeah my favorite movie of the year and I don't think it's come out in um uh in the UK yet but um it was uh the Puss in Boots The Last Wish I thought I've heard that's really good I really want to watch it it's um it's on VOD but it's like $25 rental I think at the moment 
but when when it becomes cheaper or free i'm definitely gonna watch yeah. it well i'm a big animation fan and the animation blew me away i'm a big sucker for this kind of hybrid part cg part 2d animation that we've gotten since spider-verse where there's okay. just like a there's like a flatness but a fullness to the, mm -hmm. the style i just love it and they have that here um they're not worried about i like the fact that animation right now is not worried about being very realistic mm. that, that the films are having a uh a unique style to the artists and we kind of got away from that for a while because of pixar which i love pixar but but they were really concerned about things being lifelike yeah. and realistic yeah. uh, and I, I i'm kind of glad that now we're sort of in this more experimental phase i feel like mm. which is fun yeah definitely. Um, yeah and then i loved marcel lachelle with shoes on you see that i still, I still haven't seen that no. either i know i'm sorry <laughs> so i'm a good. little bit behind on animation but um yeah i i do need to get to that so charming so charming <laughs> my favorite live action film is also kind of obscure but i loved it it's called hit the road oh yeah i've seen that yeah i loved it i thought it was so good because I thought it did such a great job of having all of the tension, having all of the, you know, it's this obviously the situation they're trying to get older brother out of Iran. Uh, but it also feels like every family road trip that you've yeah. ever taken, you know, yeah. with little brother being so I, adorable. And yeah, the relationship between the mother and the older son, I thought yes. was very, very like relatable and, um, you know, so well, you know, presented. It just was mm -hmm. something that it, did have a universal yeah. universality to it yeah. um where you know even though the the it like you say the brother's leaving the mother can't help but also be a classic <laughs> mother. Yeah, and there's like ambiguity they don't tell you everything that's happening you kind of figure yeah. out little clues all along the way yeah. which i really enjoyed and uh and the fact that it's their it's this it's the director's first film mm -hmm. uh he's, he, he's the son of a, yeah. a prominent iranian filmmaker yeah, yeah who has a movie out but, right now called the bear i think it's called or it's called no bears oh no bears yeah it's really yeah. good i'd, I'd and, recommend that one as well oh cool i had never seen a movie an iranian movie that was set in the like countryside every not that i've seen tons, the, the, but... yeah the countryside was stunning yeah, like, it was there so was beautiful su such a variety to the landscape yeah i don't think i'd seen that much like variety yeah everyone I, the... i'd seen has been set in tehran in the city yeah so yeah, that was is... very unique yeah i agree it was it is a really good movie i really yeah. liked it then my other favorite was RRR. It's so good. Yeah, amazing. I, I wish I was in LA. I could have gone to one of those. Um, they had those big events. You yeah, know, they, that I, I did. I did see it in a in a movie theater when it first came out in me April. Too. So like April yeah. of last year, um, and it was just me and a Indian family in the yeah. cinema. <laughs> um so it wasn't quite a massive event like they've been having recently with everyone dancing in the aisles but I'm still <laughs> definitely glad I saw it on the big screen because Me too. I, think, I actually think it definitely saw, needs it. yeah I saw Morbius and RRR on the same day I saw Ambulance and RRR oh, okay. on the same day so the Michael Bay movie Ambulance <laughs> and RRR it was my birthday my birthday <laughs> treat was to see that double bill at least that was a like 
watchable Michael Bay movie. So yeah, I liked, I, I liked yeah, it. It was decent. It was decent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are some of my first. I have to say, I was pretty disappointed with this Oscar season. Most of the screeners that I got, I was just underwhelmed. Like there, most of them I gave like a mild recommendation to, but there were a lot of movies that other people just loved that I thought were fine. Yeah, uh, like same. Tar. I, I yeah, I often feel like that with Oscar season, to be honest, and which is why the Banshees of Inisha and like being one of the kind of front runners, that's very yeah. very rare for me. Like honestly, yeah, for the last exciting. like two two decades or more, I've not like my favorite film of the year being up for Oscars. I know it hasn't been yet, but you know it's yeah. likely to be. That right. just never ever happens to me. <laughs> So yeah. um yeah, it's actually quite rare that my favorite film is, is an Oscar movie this time. It can be a real slog going through all those screeners and just not finding anything you love. Like uh, last year I loved Tick Tick Boom. That was my favorite movie of the year. I for 2021. And uh, I didn't really find much live action that I loved. Like I loved Tick Tick Boom. Uh, hit the road and RR would probably be the the two uh, but um, there was some animation that I loved but uh, I did really enjoy the Avatar sequel I didn't think I would and uh, I I thought that I mean it is too long yeah I haven't seen it yet and oh you haven't seen it no and it, because of the length it just mm-hmm. really really puts me off to me up to be it's honest. really long and I so I don't blame you I did think that it actually had like a moving story mm-hmm. about this family and it's basically a refugee movie they're trying to find a place this this uh military is is attacking them they're trying to find a, a refuge somewhere and they end up in this um water colony mm-hmm. kind of uh and uh so i i enjoyed that i enjoyed the family themes and the that kind of refugee themes uh but uh but yeah it's definitely 30 minutes too long there's no question yeah about that but i still overall liked it but uh but yeah most of my favorite films of 2022 i saw uh earlier in the year like rrr and hit the road and top gun maverick and things like that i of the oscar contenders aside from avatar and rrr the only one i really uh top gun maverick i guess is but i i did really enjoy decision to leave did you get to see that yeah i did see that yeah i again i saw that at a cinema which i'm pleased i i did um i do i'm kind of mixed on that movie i think the it like technically on a visual level it is incredible like the cinematography and the editing so so insanely well done and and the special effects which i know people wouldn't assume it's a special effects movie but if you see how much of the kind of technical brilliance of that film was achieved with special effects it's just incredible um but I was yeah I was kind of mixed on it I was I I wish I had loved it more Mm -hmm. and I understand why why people like it but um the story didn't didn't grip me as Mm -hmm. much as as I was hoping I kind of felt like it was sort of a modern day double indemnity Mm. sort of this toxic love story film noir kind of a thing but uh but yeah one thing I like to ask my guests for this is are you optimistic or pessimistic about the state of film? No. <laughs> because I think there's room to be optimistic because 
so many more people can tell their stories than ever have before. There's so many yeah. outlets. There's so many places to be featured, so many festivals, so many streaming services that, uh, that there's something for everybody. And there's also, I feel like so many different ways to get your story told. Uh, mm. and so I think that's positive, but obviously with closing down cinemas for so long and, and getting people to come back, it's mm. been difficult yeah, uh, I mean, I like most people, I am quite depressed about the franchise and sequels and yeah. um, MCU kind of dominating just, you know, the top 10 mm-hmm. best box office movies of the year. The top 20 are often just sequel, sequel, franchise, franchise. And I am quite depressed about that but you know there are glimmers of hope here and there like um rom-coms did quite well last year so there was the lost city and ticket to paradise um marry me yeah and financially like at the box office they did quite well yes and I think I think magic mike 3 is probably going to do well at the box office as well so I've been so excited to see that too because I love rom-coms I cover them on my podcast Hallmarkies podcast and there was a drought of romantic comedies for almost a decade yeah you'd have hardly any maybe a like a indie like the big sick or something like that would come along but but a mainstream romantic comedies I mean just hardly any yeah so it was very exciting. I agree. Yeah, we ha- have to rely on places like Netflix for like a yeah. um, YA romance, that kind yeah. of thing. But other than that, I feel, yeah, I'm struggling to find romantic like movies and shows mm-hmm. and stuff. I, I'm I mean, always on the search for them. That's why a lot of people turn to, to Hallmark because yeah. they're, they're like the only place making romantic comedies. <laughs> Uh, yeah and, but, uh, and horror horror is doing well at the box office yes. as well so again 2022 was a really good year for horror and like this January 2023 is already a good, a good yeah. month for horror um, yeah I saw so, you make a review yeah so I'm um ha- happy about that um and uh, so yeah there are definitely glimmers of hope in amongst all the kind of pessimism yeah you know I I'm worried I mean even in LA and this is like the movie town right even here we've had like movie theaters closing like the the arc light still hasn't reopened the cinema cinerama dome that's still still closed and we've had the landmark go as well um and th- those were like the two main um theatres I went to where they'd have like Q&As with directors and actors and people so yeah mm-hmm. it, it is worrying definitely worrying and depressing yeah. well what is one unpopular opinion that you uh we always I always ask my guests to share an unpopular opinion that you had and what was that experience like um it can be intense yes um, I'll give you a recent one because we are talking about 2022 <laughs> movies. So I'm I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to share the fact that I absolutely hated <laughs> women talking. Oh, interesting. Okay. The, the Sarah Polly movie. Mm-hmm. Now this was very disappointing for me because I really, really love stories we tell and take this waltz, which are both Sarah Polly movies that she's directed and so I had really high expectations going into this and I unfortunately felt that the writing was atrocious 
it's it's just it's not it's not well written and not well acted in my opinion and people have been very the main thing people have been critical of is the way it looks so that like the color grading is really weird and Mm. it doesn't look very good but in my opinion that's kind of the least of its problems well that's one thing about me as a critic if aside from maybe animation if if people are coming to me for like technical knowledge that I'm the wrong critic I most of the time that kind of stuff is lost on me it has to be really bad for me to like oh that sound mix was terrible or I don't know I just most of the time I'm like oh okay I guess yeah I can see what you're saying uh but I I saw that at New York Film Festival I uh I had pretty I was nervous going nervous expectations you know it seemed like the kind of thing that would be very preachy and so the fact that, that that's how that's how I felt it about <laughs> it. I'm afraid I, I thought it was very appreciated. <laughs> I didn't. I I felt like that they did a pretty good job of presenting the characters as kind of well-rounded. Like they weren't just like it wasn't just like men are evil and women are saints. I I felt like there was some nuance there. Like that whole section when they talk about their sons and how much they love their sons and things like that. I appreciated. I mean, it's a little dry. Uh, it's not like on my favorites of the year. Where do I have it? Um, with the one that I had the unpopular opinion that's kind of similar is I didn't care for She Said. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I thought I thought She Said was a lot better than, than Women Talking. I have to say, it's I... not. She Said is not like my favorite of the year or anything, but I liked it a the lot thing more. I didn't like about it. There's lots of things to like about it. Uh, the performances. I particularly think Jennifer Ellie. It's. It, as the yes. main witness, I think it's a shame that she's not been touted or promoted as a, yeah. as a, cause she's the highlight of the movie for me. Um, but my problem with the movie is I just felt like it would made me uncomfortable. The fact that you have Hollywood basically giving them a pat on the back and look, we got rid of this evil guy uh, and look how brave we all were. And there is this a systematic problem. It wasn't just one yeah. guy. Yeah. And so I felt like I wish the movie had been uh, made by somebody outside of the system, like maybe uh, an indie or something, or maybe from another country, because I just felt like they shouldn't be, the problem has not been solved. It wasn't just one guy. Um, And, uh, and so that kind of annoyed me and like painting certain people as heroes um, not that you should blame victims. I understand that, but, um, they also appeased him a lot and, and praised him in their speeches and their, uh, and nobody's ever held kind of accountable for that in the movie. And so it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies March store. Are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable Hardy or Hallmarky in your life? What about getting that t-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies merch store. Full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Hallmark Comics, and more. You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies 
or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. Oh, I don't know. But anyway, I, that was why I didn't like, not that it wasn't well-made. I just felt like, no, you didn't earn this. You didn't earn this pat on the back. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely yeah. understand that. Yeah. Um, and I think they had to narrow the focus from the book to, because the book is about more than just Harvey Weinstein. But I oh, think yeah. for the film, they decided to just purely focus on that. Um, just because, you know, translating a book to a movie is not always easy. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely get the kind of self-congratulatory Hollywood yeah. thing, definitely. The other thing I thought was weird is they open up the movie with Carrie Mulligan's character having pretty severe postpartum, like pretty bad. And then they just like forget about it. And the, the, the main solution seemed to be that like she solved it from working hard. I'm like, that's not how it works. Like you don't just like. I thought that was a yeah. mess too. I didn't like that. I mean, I I, I quite like the depiction of motherhood, and she said, mm-hmm. and and speak. I think you mentioned this earlier. I I liked the depiction of motherhood, and she said more than in tar. Oh, so yeah. in tar, that <laughs> yeah. the 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 way that motherhood is kind of presented in that really annoyed me, and the way that. Mm she was kind of supposed to be in the father role where she could just be swanning all over the world and then occasionally kind of visit her own child and just kind of have this relationship with the child where she wasn't very involved and she just occasionally kind of swoop in and and then like swan out of her life again and one of my frustrations with tar I overall gave it a, a mild recommendation but one of my things that kept me from loving it is that I didn't feel like they really portrayed accurately why she loved music. Like I, pretty much every, like she would debate about it and she would fight about it with people and she'd have these diatribes with her students and stuff. But one thing I love in the movie Amadeus is when Salieri is just looking at the music and it like, he just floats away you know like he can hardly contain his emotions he loves that music and he can't understand why god would allow this nincompoop in his eyes to be (laughs) able to have this gift you know like this fool how could you how could god let let this happen and so you really get to understand the character because you know how much he loves music and i i at the beginning of the movie she says that uh that you never come to revelation about music in performance. It's always in practice. But I think what that ended up doing is that there was no time for her as a character to really just indulge in the music. It's always in practice. You get like a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here. And I think it would have made a better, it made would have made her a more interesting character if I had really understood her love of music yeah I think you're you're right in that she viewed it more as like a conquering like a competitive thing rather than a passion yeah is how I I I interpreted it and she's definitely a complex character and I think Mm -hmm. that's why she's getting so much attention is because we don't see that many women characters who are you know assholes who are this to you know the genius character we've seen it with men so many times haven't we where they're a genius therefore they're an asshole to everyone right yeah um and if she wins I won't be sad she's deserved she was great in the movie I just 
I felt like the script was kind of messy. Yeah. In that one. It's, it's my least favorite Todd Field movie because mm-hmm. I, I went yeah. to, they had a, um, a screening at the Cinematheque here of um, Little Children and, and In the Bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and Little Children for me is by far his best film. Yeah. Um, and Tar's my least favorite of those three, but you know, it I again I'm kind of mixed on Tar's, and I do think it's an interesting one to discuss, and it's definitely yeah. one of those ones where everyone has kind of come out of that film with something slightly different and different interpretations, which is always good. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I felt like I was almost nothing but unpopular opinions. <laughs> There were a lot of movies that other people loved that I didn't love. I didn't love Babylon. I didn't love Glass Onion. I didn't. I didn't love uh, Glass Onion. No, I thought I really was... did. I really disliked Glass oh, Onion. Oh, somebody else agrees with me. <laughs> I wasn't a big fan of The Fablemans. I, uh, Three Thousand Years of Longing. I didn't enjoy. I just like I'm such a grump. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but... I again like everything, everywhere, all at once, which is like the the big darling yeah. of the season. Uh, again, I thought it was fine. I like yeah. I didn't really love it. I found the editing overwhelming, and I think it took away from a lot of what I would have enjoyed mm-hmm. it more if it had calmed down a little bit. And I realized the entire point of the movie is it's multiverses, and that's the point. You know, the point is that she keeps getting. Uh, you know pulled out of one universe into another and I understand that but I would have enjoyed it more if I could have taken in some of the moments a little bit more I think I agree I I gave it a fresh I I enjoyed it but I didn't think it was I'm not with the haters because there's like this yeah. group who are like oh it's terrible not there <laughs> but I'm definitely not in the masterpiece crowd either and yeah, I feel same. like there were definite moments where I'm like okay you're getting a little try hard here you're getting a little pretentious too much with the rocks and stuff like yeah. that but um I, I but... did think Stephanie Stephanie Hugh sorry I'm gonna yeah. mispronounce her name but I thought she was amazing and I, I definitely thought I, I thought she I thought were good yeah they all did a good job it was it was fun creative something but I just yeah I agree with you on that uh but um it's it's always an interesting experience when uh when you have I don't know. I just felt like 2022 was my year for having lots of unpopular. <laughs> I, I'm used to it. Like I say, that that is usually me. I'm usually the grump about pretty much everything that yeah. everyone likes. But um, well, and I I felt like I was really kind of it was a bold pick to have Puss in Boots as my number one. But it's building momentum. People are really it is, enjoying yeah. it, and so that makes me happy because I think it, they took some real risks and they did not have to try as hard as they did for like a you know what is it like a, the sequel to a Shrek spinoff. They, yeah. they could have totally just phoned in that movie. Yeah. And the fact that they made something so cool with such a great villain and such good characters and amazing animation was, I think, really cool. Yeah, I yeah. can't wait for you to see it. I definitely want to. <laughs> um, so what's something that you've written, I guess, that you're particularly proud of? Um, I think, I think I'm really going to... well written. Um, well, I one thing I'm proud of um, was that I got to interview Sandy Powell, the costume designer oh, for cool. Jump Cut. So that's something I'm very proud of. But in terms of my actual writing, I'd probably say a piece I wrote about the Green Knight. So I was talking earlier about pitching 
the Green Knight is a film I really, really loved. It, it was 2021 release. Yeah. Um, and I did actually manage to write like three or four pieces for that. Thank goodness. <laughs> because it was b- before I got my job with the dig- digital fix. So I had more time. Yeah. Um, and I wrote a piece for the film stage about the Green Knight. And I got into some of the kind of symbolism in the film and I was sort of talking about the fact that um, Sagarin is kind of quite often portrayed with stars around him and the fact that he's kind of associated with the heavens and how the green knight is kind of associated with earth and it's like this constant push and pull of these two kind of forces in that film and I just got a lot in into kind of the the allegories and the symbolism and stuff surrounding the green knight I'll have to read that what's that on the film stage film stage Mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of things that I am proud of uh I you know I cover the Christmas movie season for Hallmarkies podcast and so that's always really intense and it's just very exciting when you find you watch so many movies and then you find that one that is really special and you can tell people about there was this movie called Merry Textmas which was all <laughs> set in Waka and it was so fun such a fun concept fun story uh showcasing uh Waka Mexico and all the different traditions there and I feel like I was able to kind of introduce that to a lot of people and a lot of you know that are in so either in the Hallmark scene or in the Christmas movie scene uh, that they would have just brushed by it and not noticed it. But a lot of people saw it and were were like, wow, that was actually really fun and really <laughs> good. And there is something to be said for like watching ev- as much as possible. Yeah, because then quote, unquote, everything. Yeah. Because you agree. find stuff you would never find otherwise. And yeah. you're able to tell people about it. And, and that's when becoming a critic, being a critic is is really meaningful and uh and and it's exciting. When I can do that with I with animated films as well. Um, like I uh really loved it's just coming out this month, uh, a movie called Little Nicholas, um, out of France. It was so good about that. It's both this cute little story about this little uh little boy nicholas is drawing um but it's also at the same time about the creator of little nicholas uh and uh and his experience kind of writing and coming up with a character and ghost ghost i think is his name anyway it was really good both about like being a creator and also just this charming sweet little story uh, and when you can introduce people to something that they would never have found otherwise, it's very exciting. I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think my, my family sometimes a bit concerned about how many movies I watch, but <laughs> yeah. um, it's like you say, it's when you wa- try and watch so much, and I particularly do try to champion things that hardly anyone has heard of, yeah. <laughs> hardly anyone's seen. You know, I try to watch films that are directed by women. I try to watch international films. And I, you know, like like you say, you just try and get people to realise that there are good films out there, like especially in 2020, for example, because everyone was saying, mm. you know, there's not been any film films released in 2020. There's a pandemic. Nothing was released. Yeah. And it's like, I, you know, I was really trying to get people to pay attention, like on streaming, yeah. at home there were so many good films mm-hmm. it's like just pay attention to what's out there there's yeah. so many good things and you're missing out well and it was really cool I mean one of the benefits of the pandemic was getting to attend Sundance and TIFF yeah and 
and South by Southwest and Annecy Film Festival in France, all these things I wanted to attend for years, all of a sudden I could virtually. Uh, and so that was so cool. Uh, and I th so in that way, I saw a whole lot of films that I that I probably wouldn't have or would have taken me a long time to see, mm. uh, which is interesting about 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah, just getting people to get out of their comfort zone and uh, try try something new, maybe with subtitles. Uh, and, uh, you know, they come back and they're like, wow, that was that was really good. <laughs> it's really good. So, well, very good. Thank you so much for coming on talking. This was so much fun. I had a great time getting to know you. And uh, if people want to follow you on Twitter and other things, how can they do that? My Twitter handle is literally just my name. So it's just at Fiona Underhill. Um, and like I say, I mainly write for the digital fix and slash film. Great. And you can, uh, I have the playlist for all of my female, female film critics panel uh, entries. So check that out. And also you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Ron Tomatoes. So check that out. Also make sure that if you are listing it on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. That really helps a lot. And if you are watching on YouTube, please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Appreciate that so much. And we also have merch store and patron groups. So check that out. And thanks so much, Fiona. This was great. I really enjoyed it. And uh, we'll have to talk again later on in the year. Thank you for having me on. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs>